Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. TV writer Shonda Rhimes once said, I am not lucky. You know what I am? I'm smart. I'm talented. I take advantage of the opportunities that come my way and I work really, really damn hard. Don't call me lucky. Call me a badass. How good's that quote? Hello, I'm Claire Tonti and welcome to my podcast, Just Make the Thing, a show for people who want to start a thing and keep on making it. My guest today is Natalie Firth, a badass woman if there ever was one. She has been through a hell of a lot. Together with her incredible business partner, Ainsley Johnston, the two co-founded Think Talent, which has grown to become a hugely successful recruitment agency in Melbourne. What you may not know is that she also did this while simultaneously becoming a new mum. And a few years ago, the company was hit by an extraordinary event that really changed the course of their lives. A car, you may remember seeing it on the news, drove through a bustling street in Melbourne CBD just at that Christmas time of the year when everyone's out celebrating their Christmas parties and doing their last minute Christmas shopping. Natalie was one of the ones that was affected and hit by the car and her story is just kind of unbelievable really and then a real lesson in resilience. She has a lot to share about how to build a business from scratch, how to re-enter the workforce after children, how to find the job that you want, and most importantly, how to find resilience and dig deep when life throws you some of the most extraordinary curveballs. I'll stop talking and let her talk. Here she is, Natalie Firth on Just Make the Thing. Thanks for coming on the pod. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's very cool. I'm, I was so excited just in the way that you talked about work and all the things that you were doing with Think Talent on the Millennial Divide. So I was really excited to oh, get thank you on you. board. Hard work. What yes. do you believe about hard work? Oh, that's a good and hard-hitting first question. I actually wrote an article recently that said good old-fashioned hard work seems to be forgotten and it's really difficult in the age of flexibility, right? Because everyone needs flexibility, everyone wants flexibility and it's so important. But there's also times where you just need to buckle down and get on with it and get things done and I think that's been forgotten a little bit sometimes. You know, I look at my... My family's generation, my my mum, my nunu, you know, it was all about hard work and that's how they got to where they are. So I'm a big believer in it, but I'm also a believer in flexibility. Yeah. Well, I think it doesn't surprise me you believe in hard work because you started Think Talent when you were a mum, right? The first time mum? I'm pregnant. Holy Moses. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yes. Wouldn't recommend it <laughs> in hindsight. Probably not the ideal way, but yeah, I was pregnant with my second child oh and I had God. a one-year-old. Jesus, Ainsley woman. had a one-year-old, yeah. Are you insane? Yes. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, let's quit my job where I'm earning really good money and go and start my own business. Wow. Yeah. Was it Ainsley's idea? It was originally Ainsley's idea. Well, it's interesting. Ainsley always wanted to start a business and we were having a glass of wine one day with our little bubbers in their prams, as you do when you're on maternity leave. Um, and she was having this conversation with me about returning to work and all the things that, you know, many people will resonate with. How am I going to make this work and blah, blah, blah. And I said to her, why don't you start your own business? You've always wanted to do it. And, and that's really how, how it was born. And she looked at me and said, why don't you start the business with me? And I said, no, um, originally. <laughs> obviously, I changed my mind um, a bit later on. But yeah, that, that's how it started. Wow. What made you change your mind? I can understand why you said no, being pregnant with a one-year-old. Yes. Yeah. Um, I tell this story about the bus. So I had this like this vision of Ainsley one day starting this business and being really successful and having this great life and me being in this job. And I just had this whole vision around it. And I felt like the bus was there and Ainsley was driving the bus and saying, get on. And I thought, you know what, it's not the right time in my life. But if I don't do it now when the bus is there, I don't know if that bus will ever come back. So I just mm. did it. It's huge, isn't it? Sometimes there's never a right time. No. Just opportunities come and you've got to jump on board. And we speak about this all the time. Like you can't choose when those opportunities do come along. So sometimes you've got to go, okay, this doesn't, this isn't the right time in my life. But here it is. And I either do it now or I don't do it at all. And that that's how I felt. So, so mm. I did it. If you hadn't done it, would you have regretted it? Yes, 100% I would have regretted it. it. It's funny, I was talking to someone the other day and I said, Oh, I thought, okay, I need flexibility. Why don't I start my own business? And and have I found flexibility? No, I have not. I'm working harder than I've ever worked in my life. You know, so so in terms of the the reason I wanted to start the business, has it fulfilled that? Not necessarily, but there's so many wonderful things that have come out of it. I absolutely would have regretted not doing it. Mm. I think talents has has a new approach right to recruitment mm. in that it's digitally focused. To me, that yep. that's what I jumped out from your website. What do you think makes you guys stand out as a company? It's so difficult to articulate it sometimes because, you know, when people say, why are you, why are you different? I want to say there's so many reasons why we're different. Like, where do you, where do you yeah. want me to begin? Kick-ass woman! Yeah, that's right. Right. yeah started like, from your lounge room. Yeah, all that stuff. almost, pretty much. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's a few things for us. You know, yes, that marketing-led um, approach to recruitment. Ainsley and I both ran in-house functions, so we, we understood that recruitment can do so much more than just find a person. You can use that process to market employee value proposition and shift perceptions about organisation. But I think really at its core, the real difference is that we're people focused, that we genuinely care about people, that we remember when someone's looking for a job, that's a huge thing in their lives. We take the time. We're not perfect. You know, we, we get things wrong sometimes, but we treat people like people. Um, and we're obviously incredibly focused and passionate about diversity and really promoting, you know, not just females, that, that's a big part of what we do, but diversity in recruitment processes. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. I think what I loved about you coming on the millennial divide was that you talked a lot about trying to find balance and how sometimes for women that ends up being a myth, mm -hmm. just that whole part-time work proposition. As someone who juggles a family, can you make it work? And still focus on your career? I saw you go, um, give me a wine. I don't okay. know. Uh, yes, you can. I think uh, I think the trick is to stop talking about work-life balance. Like, you know, there's going to be this magical formula that's going to work. For me, sometimes I have to prioritise my family over work. You know, for example, my nanny's sick tomorrow. I need to stay home with the kids at school holidays. It's just what it is. 
Sometimes I need to prioritise work over my family. Sometimes I do work things at home. Sometimes I do home things at work. So there's this thing called work life, what I call work life blend. You can find it. I think it's about giving yourself permission to, you know, not to beat yourself up if you have to take a work call at home or, you know, feel guilty. And that's something I've struggled with. And I, I try and work on that guilt factor. Uh, it doesn't help that I'm European. So, you know, you get, you know, what I call European guilt and then there's mum guilt and, you know, but I think if you if you strive for balance, perfect balance, you won't get it. If you accept that this is life and sometimes you've got to prioritise one over the other, then, yeah. yeah, it's just about accepting and, you know, forgiving yourself for having to do things at different times. Yeah. What was it like in those early days when you are pregnant and one-year-old and starting company? Did you know much about business? No. No. <gasps> no. Nor did Ainsley. We sat down with a notepad and went, oh, when I say we didn't know a lot about business, we both came from backgrounds of our, both our families ran small business. So I guess we grew up around it in terms of seeing what it was like to, you know, the ups and downs. But we had no idea where to start. We, we had a notepad and I'll never forget sitting across from her at lunch and we're like, okay, what do we do? Open a bank account. Good. <laughs> yep, let's do that. Next, hmm, register business. Oh, come up with business name. It was really that rudimentary at the time. Um, so it's easy to forget that when we see where we are now you know, to, to forget those beginnings that we, we kind of figured it out as we were. We didn't have all the answers and we still don't. Mm. What's your biggest learning, do you think, from that time about starting or founding a company? Fail fast. Don't be afraid to do it because you don't know all the answers. Test and play. Um, take something out to market. If it's not right, fail fast, move on, learn from it. Um, and we've changed the direction of the business lots of times, not because we haven't known what we're doing, but because the market demand has changed or we've realised something else is, you know, is on trend or, you know, various reasons. So that's okay. You don't need to have a perfectly formed business plan, in my view. In fact, I think if you wait to have that, someone might beat you to it, might be too late, or it might not be relevant anymore. So you just have to jump in and fail. Yeah. What do you do with failure? Because I find that so hard and I know a lot of people do. When you fail, what do you do mentally? I speak to lots of people. I interview lots of candidates who feel like they've failed. So you know, senior candidates who've had great careers and then they go into a job and realise, I've made a mistake. This is not right mm-hmm. for me. And, and for that, for them, it feels like a failure. And I always give them the advice. I, I liken it to a relationship. So, you know, everyone's got a story like that bad boyfriend or, you know, whatever it is. And for me, that's so important that you have that because you realise about yourself what you want, what you don't want, what you're prepared to put up with and not. And it's the same as, you know, jobs or business or failure is important. And in fact, it's more important than success, I think. So you look back, you learn from it. You say, okay, this this has happened to me for a reason. What is it? Um, And you don't make the mistake again. That's Mm -hmm. the key. What are, if you don't mind sharing, what are one of the sort of big failures that you can think oh, of that you've learned from? Gosh, there's been, there's been a few. <laughs> um, probably, look, the biggest opportunity and challenge of running a business is, is your people, hiring the right people, keeping the right people, motivating them. I think for us, when we've known inherently something doesn't feel right, not moving on it fast enough. So, you know, thinking we need to you know, hope that things get better or, and you know, you, you know, your instinct tells you when, when something's not right. So I think that's been the biggest thing for us is going, trusting our gut and, and moving on quickly and parting ways quickly when things aren't right. Mm. How do you do your life day to day with two kids and running, being like a co-founder, CEO? Sometimes not well. Um, sometimes I fail. Um, no, how do I do life day to day? I think each day is different. 
I try not to put too much expectation around the way that so sometimes I think great I'm going to spend the afternoon with the kids and we're going to do something really fun um, and then something work related happens and I have to prioritize that sometimes I feel like I'm going to have to work and then the kids take priority so I, I try not to put too much expectation on on how that looks I ask for help that that's a big thing for when, when I need it I've learned to try and open up about, you know, how I'm feeling about things. It's not something that comes naturally. So I'm feeling stressed or I'm feeling overwhelmed actually talking about it. And that's okay. And being okay with that. So for a long time, I felt like I needed to be coping and to be seen as coping. Mm, and so yeah. I've given myself permission to go, you know what, I'm not coping today. That That's okay. Um, but yeah, it, it's busy. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think that it's such a huge strength when we can actually be vulnerable. It's And it's difficult to be vulnerable, right? Because mm. especially when you're running a business, you want people to look up to you and to think that you're doing a great job and that you're a great mum and that you're a great wife and, you know, all, all these things. And, you know, I, I, I think and I hope for the most part that I am, but nobody's perfect and it's okay to have those fail points as well. Mm. And I think sometimes women in general beat ourselves up more about being perfect for some reason. Would you agree? A hundred percent. And I've got two daughters, so I'm really passionate about this. And it's really interesting. I, I see the way they're spoken to and the language that's used with young girls versus young boys. And it really starts at a young age. So I'm quite mindful. I try to be quite mindful about, you know, not, for example, calling them bossy when oh, you know yeah. when they when they're being bossy you know but trying not to trying to encourage those leadership and those independent skills because that that's what we want to foster and and I think that's why women are harder than on themselves because for the most part we've grown up with a different set of expectations and language that surrounded us mm, yeah I know boys are allowed to be messy and dirty and loud and gross and out there and make mistakes and fall down because boys will be boys boys will be boys it's just a boy thing yeah I hear that all the time girls sit quietly in the corner and color and I'm like come to my house not my girls they're not <laughs> sitting quietly in the corner I wish but you know there is this kind of lens um mm. around it so so for me having two daughters particularly I'm really passionate about trying to be mindful of that yeah, watching the way you speak to them. And, and calling others out on the way they speak to them as well. And, oh, and well, it's really difficult, right? But well-meaning people who, who love them, but just saying, well, we don't use the word bossy in our house, actually. And, you know, that's yeah. not, an, not always an easy conversation, but it's really important. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Mm, oh, 100% agree. I wanted to ask you now about your team. How many mm. people work in Think Talent now? 
I should have counted before I left. I think there's 10 of us now um, and we've got um, two hopefully coming on very shortly. Fantastic. And you've grown it so hugely. You have some really big clients. Was that $3 million in revenue a year? Yeah, I just looked at the figures actually. Um, So we cracked almost three and a half last financial year. So yeah, so really exciting. Just super impressive. I wanted to ask you about 2017. Yep. And um, there was a day, December 21st, mm-hmm. when um, you were all going out for staff drinks. Yes. Can I ask you what happened? Yeah. So um, we were on our way to the Arbory for an end of year work drink just before Christmas, as you do, and um, a very well known event where a car deliberately drove through the intersection of Flinders Street and um, ran over a bunch of many pedestrians and, and um, killed one person, you know, tragically. Um, and our team was there. So there were seven of us. Um, that were there out of nine at the time. Um, being Christmas, thankfully, two were already back home, one in New Zealand and one in Brazil for, for Christmas. Um, but seven of us were there and three injured and, and hospitalised. So, you know, it was a pretty pretty full-on and, and tragic event, um, not just at the time, but, you know, it's 18 months on and we're still feeling the effects of it. Mm. Yeah, you were one of those people that were hospitalised. Right? I was, yeah, yeah, and, and um, two other staff members as well. Wow. What was it like? So were you standing on Flinders Street? No, we were walking across the road at the time. Um, so the, the green pedestrian light had turned, sorry, the pedestrian light had turned green um, and we were, you know, walking, almost finished crossing the road at the time. Wow. Do you, what do you remember about the moment? Um, it's kind of a bit blurry, to be honest, like, you know, it's slow motion. So I remember bits of it. Um, you know, I remember you know, realising something was wrong. There was lots of screams. Um, you know, for, for me, I was injured, um, but I was really panicked about my staff. And there was one staff member in particular who no one knew where she was. And, and so it's kind of ironic in some ways that, that my focus on her helped me cope with what was happening to me um, mm-hmm. because I was so worried about her and her well-being. Um, but thankfully, you know, she was, she was injured, but thankfully, you know, everyone was okay yeah. in the end. Wow. So the car... I, I feel like I'm bringing you through through this. I've spoken thing. about it so many times. I mean, okay, so great. Hopefully, I don't sound too blasé about it. Like, obviously, it's been incredibly difficult, um, mm. but it's something I'm familiar yeah. talking about now. Absolutely. Well, I, I guess talking about it can sometimes help you process it too. Yeah. Did, when the- it's also a part of our story now. You know, it's something that happened, and you know, so we need to be open about it because it was a huge impact, not just on, on us as individuals, um, but also on the business. Mm. So did the car actually hit you? It's very, that's a difficult question to answer. So according to the court records, no, um, they can't be 100% sure. But the way the charges were laid in the end and, and the way um, the, the person who did it was um, prosecuted, my charge relates to someone who was hit, who hit me if that makes sense. All right. Yep. Okay. Um, but, you know, when I spoke to them, uh, to the prosecution about it, they said, look, at the end of the day, it's semantics. We need to prosecute this case in a way that we can actually get get a guilty plea, which is what yeah. they wanted. Because I found that really confronting at the time. I'm like, well, you know, I feel as though I was hit. But now I've come to peace with the fact that it actually doesn't matter. He's gone to jail and, you know, yeah. we got the outcome we wanted. Yeah. That must be so hard. How do you feel towards the man that did it? No feelings whatsoever, which is really bizarre because I, I'm so into crime and I'm so into reading. Th- and for some reason, I just don't feel anything at all. Just doesn't doesn't even cross my mind. Wow. Yeah. That's huge. So does that, does that mean you've forgiven him or is it more just that you don't have any emotion? I just don't have any emotion towards him. I have emotion towards what happened. I have emotion towards my team that were there. 
you know, and the ripple effect on them and on the business. Um, but towards yeah. him, no, I don't know why. It's really strange. Yeah, I, I guess it's maybe it's part of our coping mechanism, right? Like you just some parts of our brain shut down yeah. towards things. Do you have a memory of the people around you? So there was a lot of screaming and yeah. and you were you on the ground? Yeah, I was, yeah. And absolutely, I just, you know, the whole thing is a bit of a blur now, but I remember seeing police tape, you know, up really quickly and blue sheets and I remember thinking, well, why are they blue sheets? What are these things? And I found out later it's to block out media and, um, you know, to try and give some privacy to people who are treated. But at the time I thought, you know, they were bot- dead body. They weren't, thankfully. Just a lot of chaos. But one thing I will say is that the first respondents were the most incredible people that you'll ever meet. Mm. And I was really, it sounds very strange to say, but really proud to be a Victorian in the way, you know, the, the response to the incident. They really learnt from the last one um, in terms of that first response. So uh, I felt very looked after. Mm. Was Ainsley, your co-founder, one of the people who came to the rescue? First on scene, yeah. So she wow. had a really difficult task as well. And, um, you know, she's had her own journey as well around, you know, having to turn up and see her business partner down and team members missing. And she was the one that had to, you know, call and, and notify um, everyone and, you know, get back to work the next day and just try and keep things going. So, yeah, really, really difficult task for her. Wow, she went back to work the next day. She had to. Yeah. Hell. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was really tough for both of us um, because we had staff members out injured. One has, hasn't returned. Um, one returned for a period of time and then went back home to Ireland. Um, so for us, we both had to just keep working through it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that took its toll. Um, at one point. So, you know, going back to our financial results, when we look at what we've achieved in the last 12 months, in spite of everything we've been through. It's mind-blowing. We're really proud of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it hasn't been easy, but yeah, and we've, you know, most of our team um, who were there turned over. Apparently that's really normal. Um, So we had to rebuild. So we're really proud of where we've, we've got to. Yeah. That's why I wanted to ask you so much about it, because I think when tragedy strikes, there's sort of lots of different ways of responding to it. And it seems to me that you guys have just gone from strength to strength and the courage and the dedication and the work ethic to be able to do that through what must be a really challenging thing is just so admirable. Oh, thank you. My psychologist talks about this thing called post-traumatic growth and I'd never heard about it, but then all of a sudden I'm, I'm seeing books being written and all sorts of things. But it's so true. Like when something happens, people talk about post-traumatic stress um, but most people will experience post-traumatic growth as well. So, you know, something, you know, happened. And it doesn't have to be something as big as this. It could be you know, a really bad breakup or, you know, a range of things, getting fired from a job. And it's it's learning from that. It's growing from that. Um, mm. And that's something I've really, I've really come to learn and accept about myself, that I've grown from that. Yeah. What, what physical injuries did your team face? Um, so I had a broken rib and a head injury. Uh, We had one of our staff members with a broken leg and another one who had fractured pelvis and lower spine. So she was actually in a wheelchair for a couple of months. Yeah, The really awful thing with her is that she had only been in the country about eight weeks, seven or eight weeks. um, And just the most delightful person you'll ever meet and just so positive um, as well. So yeah, that that was really hard. Um, And then there was, you know, um, you know, bruises and grazes and, you know, scrapes. And then obviously the psychological stuff as well, which has a much bigger impact. Yeah, I know you write about that on your website, mm. that physical injuries heal, but the mental injury and the 
the sort of ability to create a workplace that's psychologically safe. Yeah. Do you want to talk me through your approach now and how that's changed? And it's something Ainsley's really passionate about. So she's written a few articles on this mm-hmm. as well. But it is, it, it became the norm in our office for a period of time for people to say, okay, I'm off to see my psych now see you later. And because we've all been through this huge event, it was just quite normal. So now I say that and I don't even think about it. And we've obviously had people join the organisation since since Flinders Street um, who weren't a part of it. And I think what it's demonstrated for them is that it's okay to be open about things, that you know, we try and talk about things. We talk about the fact that we're not perfect. Ainsley and I make mistakes sometimes. We're not perfect leaders and people aren't perfect employees. So it's really important to go, okay, well, something's happened. Let's talk about it. Let's, you know, accept um, certain things will happen. People have got things going on in their lives and we really encourage people as much as they're comfortable to, to do so to open up about what's going on um, and to feel like they can be themselves at work. Mm, yeah, and it just then creates a culture, right, where people can thrive. Have you found that? Yeah, look, it's it's not always been easy because when you've got so many people that are impacted, you know, that, that can also have its challenges as well. Um, so naturally people did move on um, after after that event over the sort of the mm-hmm. next six to 12 months. But, yeah, look, I think we've got a great team now. Everyone knows what everyone's been through. And, and yeah, as long as people feel like they can be their authentic selves at work and they're not judged for, for who they are, absolutely you're going to get the best out of people. Mm. Yeah, it's just so admirable. My God. How Thank did you, you go? Because you had little kids and your yeah. partner. What did you have to ring them? Who rang them? No, Ainsley had to ring my husband. That was a really difficult thing for her to do. And then she refused to call my mum and said to Aaron, you have to call Julie because I can't call Julie because she knew that Aaron would be calm and my mum would lose her mind, which is exactly what (laughs) happens. She knows my family incredibly well. Um, yeah, like, you know, I think back to that now, like I think at the time you're not really thinking through what's happening to you, um, but just how awful that must have been for them. The kids didn't, they were too young. They didn't. So at the time, 2017, so Asha wasn't even three yet um, and Stevie would have been four. So really, really young. So they didn't know really. They knew that mummy hurt her head and that, mm. that was about it. Um, although it's amazing what they pick up as well. You know, there's, there's yeah. things that have been said. I'm like, oh, you know more than... I realised. But, yeah, it did. It took its toll on us for a while as a family, you know, on your marriage, on on my business partnership with Ainsley. Of course it does when you go through something that big. But we came out the other side of it, you know, really strong and, um, you know, in some ways I would never say I'm happy that we've been through that, of course. But, you know, I wouldn't change what I've learnt from that experience. Wow. What have you learnt? I'm stronger than I realise. The people around me are stronger than I realise. The bad things can happen to good people. And that life, it sounds very corny, and I don't mean it to sound so corny, but life really is short and all fragile. Um, so I've tried to, and you know, going back to the earlier conversations around not feeling guilty for things. Um, if I have to work, I have to work. If I have to spend time with my family, that you know, or have to, I want to, um, that that's okay. And just to just to try and appreciate those moments. So when I'm with the kids, even if they're driving me crazy, which they do a lot of the time, <laughs> um, trying to appreciate those moments, um, you know, that I've got with them and my husband and, and my family and that we're all healthy and, you know, so there's definitely a, a greater appreciation for things than I had previously. Mm. Uh, Lee Sal has a has a book called Any- Have you read that? Yes, I have. Any Ordinary yeah. Day. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, did yeah. it help? Has it helped you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's just also that you know things happen to ordinary people all the time, and everyone's got a story. And 
it was recently in the last couple of weeks, you know, I found out a few friends have been through some horrendous things that I didn't even know about. Like, you know, I'm talking about losing children and really, really full on stuff. And it, again, it was a good reminder not to judge a book by its cover, to understand that everyone's got a story. Um, mm-hmm. Most of the time you won't know what that story is. Um, and to try, I think what it's helped me do is to approach people with an empathy lens which maybe wasn't as strong previously as what is it, what it is now for me. So my empathy's certainly grown. Mm. Yeah, it kind of grows you as a as a whole human, I guess, because you see all of the different aspects of humanity and the fragileness, and then also the wonderful people that stepped in to look after you, the strength of Absolutely. your family. You know, and and you know, it's a really good point. You know, that those first respondents, even on that day, I looked around and I saw more good than bad. So there was people just helping and I'll I'll never forget there was a young boy or young man that worked for Boost Juice and he was running around handing out water bottles because the Boost Juice store was right there and there were so many good beautiful things that happened and just trying to remember that you know I think most people are inherently good Mm. Um, everyone's got a story um, and and that's that was another good reminder one there was one bad person that day and lots of good people Mm. yeah and I love what you said about being proud to be a Victorian Mm. and how the police and everybody just stepped in how long before like like how long did it take for police 30 seconds like it was instantaneous like it blew my mind yeah, how quickly yeah. it was. Um, and also the, you know, the Andrews government, um, just to commend them for how they stepped up and really supported us because what happened to us as a business was unprecedented, right? You got mm. nine employees and seven oh were involved. God. Like there was no... It was pretty much your entire company. Yeah, it out was. Out in one fell swoop. Done like that. So um, they were incredible, really stepped up, very supportive, just, you know, made things happen really quickly. So, you know, I was really, um, I really admired the way they supported us. Um, at that time as well. Mm. Did you find that the federal government weren't as supportive? They didn't even respond to requests for help. Uh, yeah. Okay, I'm not going to yell. Mm. I'd swear, but I feel like I want to. So I was writing at the time. So for basically three or four whole months after the incident, my job was pretty much government relations, trying to, because you know I won't go through the details, but it got quite complicated. We had visa issues mixed up in all of this. Um, obviously, a huge financial impact to the business. Mm. The way recruitment works is your people generate revenue, and we had two of our, our big billers out of the business, um, so they were being looked after from a salary point of view, which is wonderful. But the revenue that they brought for us wasn't being recognised, which pays their salaries and pays ours. Yeah, right, and pays the business. Out. So that was really difficult. The, the whole insurance thing. There was, yeah, there was a bunch of things there that were um, that were challenging for us at the time. So I wrote to the small business. Well, I wrote to lots of people, mm-hmm. um, but I wrote to the small business minister at the time um, numerous times and didn't get any any response. That is unbelievable. Yeah, that is um, particularly for a government that at the moment was spouting how much they support business and are all about small businesses. Yeah, we've been attacking this way. Like, I mean, it was sort of. I guess it was a terror attack. Would you classify it that or not really? Look, difficult. You know, c- certainly it was a crime. Mm, it was um, a crime. Yeah, definitely a crime, and it depends how you define terror. But absolutely, it was, it was a significant crime in done in a way that has been done before. Yes, um, yeah. which has actually changed the policy and the, the city, or, you know, with the blockades and things that are around yeah. and what, the way police obviously operate within large crowds. 
would you yeah. say? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there's been some great learnings, I think, that the government's taken from that. But, you know, I think it's something like 70% of um, the economy is made up of small business. Don't quote me on that figure, but it's around that. Mm. So, you know, s- small business is significantly important for our economy. We need it. We yeah. need, you know, service businesses like what Ainsley and I have started. Not to mention all of the the fact about being women in business, which I know is a cliche, but is also something that yeah. they're trying to, well, espousing to, in- to support and encourage more women getting into business and founding their own companies. So what's so interesting about all of it is not only did we get not get a response, but from a federal level, there was no support. So the way you grow a service business versus a tech business is through headcount. As soon as you take on more than, um, for, I think it's $550,000 worth of headcount, um, your payroll tax increases significantly. So we had no relief for that. So even though we needed to hire people, we had to, um, believe it or not, use recruitment agencies to help us find people because <laughs> we needed to move really quickly. No support on the fees that we had to pay. Um, tax, the tax that we were paying, there was no support on that. So it, it was a huge, huge impact for us. Mm. Right. You strike me and so does Ainsley as two of the most resilient women I've ever met. Oh, really? Thank you. What do you believe gives you that kind of resilience? <sighs> it's in, Yeah, it's a good question. And Ainsley and I are so similar and yet so different. And most people who know us both will say that, that we can interchange really easily on lots of things, but we're at our core quite, quite different. I think Ainsley is just inherently resilient. She was born that way. Um, she she tells the story that she was raised by a dad who raised her like a son, as in, you know, she got to be an adult and went, oh, like, I believe I can do anything. And that's not normal. Most women don't believe that. Um, so I think for her, it was inherent. And she just had a really wonderful support around her from a family point of view. Um, I think for me, you know, probably similar in some ways with, you know, that the family support, but I think I've learned resilience along the way. It's not something that came as naturally to me, um, but I think a few things went wrong earlier in life and I've just realised life really does go on and, you know, it's those people that can pick themselves up, dust themselves off, keep going, um, that, that are truly successful in my view. You know, you can't get through life unscathed, unfortunately. Yeah, no one no one can, right? No one can. No, I think, I think that's one of the biggest learnings I've discovered becoming an adult grown woman is that it's not woe is me when something happens to me why did this happen to me I don't ask that anymore I just go oh okay it's bad again it'll be good again um, I can't remember where I read it but it's instead of asking why did this happen to me ask what can I learn from this Mm. Um, and it's just that simple shift in language can make a big a big difference but I also say to our team as well, because recruitment can be quite a tough industry, right? There's, there's an expression called champagne and razor blades. When it's good, it's good. When it's bad, it can be really hard. And that's that's a sales environment. Also give yourself permission to feel sad about something. So if something does go wrong, so I, give, I put like a time limit. I'm actually going to let myself feel miserable about this for the next hour. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to get out of the office or whatever it is. And then I'm going to get on with it. So, you know, you can, it is okay to to feel disappointed, it's okay to have a failure and to feel hurt or whatever it is. Mm. Um, give yourself permission, but don't drag it on. Yeah, don't keep wallowing. Yeah, yeah. Mia Freeman, what does Mia Freeman say? The deep trough of pain. Yeah, she's like, ah, oh, this this is a familiar feeling. The deep trough of pain is back, and yeah. then you can, you know, yeah. So don't don't wallow for too long. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, don't, yeah because you you can get you can find yourself in a deep hole if you do that. And it's very easy to feel like the world is against you sometimes when it's not really. Um, mm. It's just things happen and you've got to find a way to navigate them. Yeah, absolutely. Are there things you strategically do for your mental health now? 
I'm not as good at this as Ainsley is. So, you know, she'll do things like um, meditation, yoga, and I find meditating really, really difficult. My mind gets too distracted. Um, But I've recently done a bit of a digital detox, which has been good for me. Um, So just things like I've switched off notifications on my email on my desktop. So if I'm working on, you know, a strategic piece of work, you know, you see the little email flash Mm. up and you're tempted to just check it. I've done things like that recently. Um, I've also made sure I've carved in time for people who I call feed my soul. So there's people like my best friend, um, you know, some of the the mums that I've met through kinder and school who are just wonderful. And I'll carve out no matter how busy I am just to spend time with them because they make me feel good about me and they make me feel like I can be myself. And you need that recharge sometimes. So surround yourself with people who who can do that. That's kind of my form of meditating. Okay. Drinking wine and eating cheese. Does that count? <laughs> yeah, with your friend. With your oh, friends. mate, that's the best strategy for totally. your mental health. Yeah, who for needs meditation? Sure. Exactly. What's your favourite cheese slash wine? Oh, okay. Um, my favourite wine is definitely Shiraz. Mm. Um, if you wanted to be more specific, I love a Shiraz from the Barossa or McLaren Vale. Um, and my favourite cheese, okay, so my favourite cheap cheese, and this is a good hack, is from Aldi. They do the best smooth blue cheese you'll ever taste in your life. Really? And it's $4.50. It's amazing. But if I'm having people over and I don't want to appear as cheap, I'll get Dauphinois, <laughs> which is a beautiful French cheese as well, but more expensive. Yeah, I love that. Do you, do you know it? Do a, I love a Daff. Well, I always catch up with girlfriends every Thursday night. We have like a ritual and someone cooks at their house. And yeah. We always have Dauphinois. It's amazing. Yeah. Mm. Like, honestly, the best thing ever. Yeah. It's, oh God, I just could, it's the stuff of dreams. I went away recently. I went last week and I went with my, um, a bunch of girlfriends to Dalesford and then I got back and I took my, my girls, my two daughters away with my best friend and her two daughters. So I was away for five nights in total. I ate cheese every night for five nights for dinner. I actually felt sick by the end of it. I'm like, I think I've OD'd on cheese. Yeah. I get weird dreams when I eat cheese. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I don't get... think too much cheese is good for you. No, no, no. I call them cheeses. Yeah. Okay. Like that. <laughs> is that why I've been having weird dreams? Didn't even think about yeah, it. Yeah. I reckon there's – I'm all about the gut bacteria. I reckon there's – if you have too much cheese, there's something crazy going on. Yeah. With your gut bacteria in your brain. Anyway – we, di- we digress. We digress. All right. I wanted to ask you, as someone who has co-founded a very successful business, picked yourself up, dusted yourself up, and is still successful through some of the greatest challenges, I think, having your whole team basically wiped out in one fell swoop, what advice would you give people who are just starting a company or have that idea, the bus has arrived and they're wondering if they should get on? I've given this advice to lots of people, including our, our wonderful PR person who... Who is sitting in on this interview. Sitting and, and listening, uh, who, you know, thanks, thanks to our encouragement, I like to think, um, took the plunge and, and started a business as well. Look, this, this may come across as a little bit arrogant, and I don't mean it to, but I think you've got to back yourself. And I always said, if this doesn't work, I'm pretty employable. I'm sure I'll find something else. If you've got a good idea, go for it, give it a try. If it doesn't work, go back into the workforce. Um, like I said earlier, fail fast, test and play. Don't think you need to know all the answers. Learn from your customers. Your customers will give you feedback. They will tell you what they what they want. So you need to be open to listening, uh, to listen. And I just think have fun along the way. Like that's really important as well. Like if you're not enjoying, if you're not having fun, it's not, it's not worth it. So yeah, yes, things can be stressful and busy and all that. But at the end of the day, we have fun. We love what we do. Um, And Ainsley and I have a wonderful friendship at the basis of of it. So we're pretty lucky. Mm. 
That's fantastic advice. And eat all the cheese and wine with your girlfriends that you can. Absolutely. That just goes without saying. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Natalie. It's Thank been such you. a pleasure to have you on. And we can find you at thinktalent.com. Is that right? Yeah, thinktalent.com.au yep. or obviously LinkedIn. LinkedIn yep. is your is it's preferred. The way to stalk me. Okay, excellent. We'll stalk away. Stalk away. Excellent. Okay, thanks so much. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast called Just Make the Thing with me, Claire Tonti, and this week with Natalie Firth. You can find more about Think Talent and about Natalie at Think Talent on Instagram or at their website, and all the links are in the show notes below. What an incredible story, right? I learned so much from Natalie, and I hope if you're out there trying to find what your place is in the world, that kind of message that I keep hearing all the time, the work hard thing, to put your head down and focus on the work thing really does help. Cut out the noise and just head down, bum up, work hard and things will eventually come your way. All right. For more from me, you can go to at Claire Tonti on Instagram. Um, you can subscribe to this show in iTunes, which would be amazing. And give us a rating or a review. You can do it straight in your app. And I would so love you to do that. Even just a rating would be amazing. And there are more shows just like this one at planetbroadcasting.com, which is our podcast network that I run with my husband, James Clement. And if you like this episode, I've got lots more. Scroll back in the feed. There's interviews with Luke McGregor and Celia Pacola from Rosehaven with the comedian Will Anderson with one of my favourite musicians, Claire Bowditch, and lots of stories and um, discussions with my friend Chanel Luchev, who's just become a new mum. All right, that's it from me. Thank you as always to Raw Collings for editing this episode. And if you would like to donate to our charity campaign for this year, it is still absolutely running. Um, You can head to the link in the show notes, the Planet Broadcasting Fundraiser in partnership with Intrepid. We're growing some seaweed to save the world. And as of today, we hit over $21,000. Oh my goodness me. What an incredible effort. From little things, big things grow. A metaphor for fundraising, but also for life. All right, keep on keeping on, peeps. We can do it together. See you next week. Bye.